We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast commentary for Series 12, Episode 4, Macocracy. Mechachocracy. Macocracy. Mechocracy. 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 I'm Ian Symes and my running mates today are Jonathan Capps. Sensible policies for a happier Britain. And Danny Stevenson. We're for the compulsory serving of Spanish <laughs> Free courses for under fives and the abolition of slavery. If you would like to watch the episode while you listen to us talk about it, then press play on your DVD or Blu-ray or streaming service at the end of these pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv Mechocracy. It is... Number 43 in the Pearl Poll, uh, just outside the fabled top 36 zone. It's not bad. Uh, it's one better than Officer Rimmer and one worse than Trojan. Where's it fair amongst uh, Series 12 stuff? The third best. Yes, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I yeah. Think it's basically the rest, <laughs> the rest of the series is in... Uh, reverse order of goodness. <laughs> okay, so so we're on an upward trend then. That's that's a good. Yeah, point. yeah. Well, considering what our la- our last commentary was, <laughs> uh, that's a particularly nice model shop. And this is a particularly strong, <laughs> yet unusual opening to a report episode. <laughs> I actually think this entire scene is possibly the best opening of. Series twelve and possibly new modern dwarf. I think <laughs> it's good. It's up there. It's for really sure. Is. It's like uh, Norman Lovett's um, bit um, when yeah. he stand up of being silent for as long as he possibly can, as recounted by Robert in Man in the Rubber Mask, uh-huh. which is kind of where we know that from. Uh, Robert recalling the first time he saw Norman do stand up and being stood at the back of the room and just watching. Him go on stage and do nothing for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, probably some inspiration has seeped through there. <laughs> Three hours. <laughs> yeah, the best bit in that is when he just smiles, like yeah, in a really <laughs> satisfied way. Um, yeah, so funny. <laughs> there's there's him and actually, you know, they could probably all get away with it. Actually, I think like like Chris, Robert, Danny, and Craig could easily get away with a scene where they don't do anything and they're just you're just watching their characters just do things. Yeah, and it would still yeah. be funny. Like it has to be done right, but the, like we've I think we've seen Chris do it a few times. Danny definitely can do it with just a look. Um, yeah. In fact, I think there was a whole lot of outtakes where he was changing what he was doing every time and making it fresh every time, which would make it different. You know, he kept doing the same thing where just an eyebrow raise was enough to. <laughs> it's because we know the characters so well at this stage as well. It's yeah. like we can easily judge whether or not that's how that particular character would look when they were set around doing fuck all. Mm. It's a joyous thing after yeah. 30 odd years. <laughs> Yes, that is how Crichton would sit and look when he's sat doing literally nothing. 
So I, I don't know if anyone spotted the the subtle kind of undertones of this scene, but Rimmer is actually being very impatient during this whole thing, <laughs> which is ironic because this lesson is about patience. <laughs> I must admit that I forgot to watch this episode in advance, so I'm just kind of saying I'm watching it. It's quite good. You're watching it for the first time since it aired. First time in a while. I've definitely seen uh, yeah. this episode more than once since it aired, and that says something. I don't know if that was worth a round of applause. <laughs> it's a good scene, but like... The, the, what deserves a round of applause is this bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's one of those things that it works as a kind of standalone sketch or a couple of sketches. Like I've mentioned a few times my idea of editing together the Red Dwarf sketch show, yeah, where it's just little skits that that happen dotted about the Dave era that work in isolation. Um, and it's clearly it's one of those where it, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing that there are sections <laughs> that you can just snip away from the episode and it yeah. not really affect it. But this one is thematically linked and also just really funny yeah good it's good just... um chris makes this i think it's like really good is is Crichton really trying not to let like lister burst the bubble like he's just trying mm. so hard he's <laughs> like don't like stop talking stop here's talking. the thing let's, let's go does, over there let's go over there what does pd up. stand for i think it's punishment, punishment detail oh, fuck <clears> i was yeah. like oh, paint duty so did i until yeah. i heard it here and then oh, again though we we you know we've discussed in the book club a few times <laughs> about doug using a lot of uh oh there's an, more of that to come. and yeah there's a lot of it in this <laughs> a lot of it Crichton panic there with a good old ya <laughs> look at that sign like that is it. an incredibly inefficient <laughs> <laughs> way <Yeah. laughs> I'm not sure what I make of it. <laughs> it's like the joke in uh, series six was uh, we'd have to change the bulb. Here they'd have to get a stepladder out, remove the uh, stencil. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, they're all the... computer screens. They'd all be showing one letter each, but you'd you'd think they'd use that for more. Um, you'd have to spell the word yellow out. They, like the color is what is the important part of the, the alert system. Yeah, that's true. Also, it means you could never have any colors that are, you know you can never have a future alert or anything like that where it would be longer than six <laughs> maximum letters, of six. When it's red, they just they can put it on twice. Red, red. <laughs> Is it red, red or red, red? <laughs> red, 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 red. redemption. <laughs> yeah, get fucked, Doncaster. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, Doncaster's been in the shit city chair i feel Doncaster's like has been in that since the since the late it's 80s. at least in the in, in the front row of the shit city auditorium <laughs> <laughs> oh a tech reference that isn't um actually i was correct. about to say that actually what makes sense for once <laughs> um sc what the fuck was sc you you're downloading data without without using an SC security uh, computer. No, no, no. Well, I don't think it was mentioned before. He mentions AV layer, and he doesn't actually say what antivirus is. But we'll, you know, let's. <laughs> no, yeah, I remember there was a thing. I can't remember what it was, but the time he says SC, when well, they say quarantine drive, like the original oh, yeah. was like, did you use a quarantine drive? 
Oh yeah, it's a quarantine drug. Quarantine drug, yeah. Two D. So this scene was originally in a Starbuck cockpit scene. Oh fuck yes! And it was moved. I, mean, I can't remember which episode it's been taken from, but the, I think it was an episode I went to go see. Isn't this the thing that was moved from series eleven? Might have been, might have been from series eleven. It feels like it was done early because I remember uh, Skipper was the only episode I saw live in this series, so I think it was taken from eleven. Yeah, that rings a bell now. Yeah, it's really good. It was slightly, I think it was slightly, I don't know if it was sli- slightly tweaked for this bit, but I think I think it's pretty much the, just lifted up and dropped into the. Uh... It fits really. In fact, yeah, for something that's been transplanted, it fits really nicely. It was definitely a good scene. It, it definitely didn't feel like one of those scenes that, like, oh, I'll, I'll, it didn't need to be like that. Was it was good enough to be kept? Like, it was a shame it was lost in that episode. So it was. A, it's good. Yeah. Enough. It's good. It's gone to. It's been used. It, that makes sense if it was a a Starbuck type thing because it feels like those sort of series six and seven style immediate peril yeah but funny conversations still happen yeah like he was meant to be taking orders and he decides to annoy you know, he's doing something he shouldn't be doing therefore yeah. he just yeah. him for it the timing from Chris on that punchline is very good yeah. yes it comes out it does <laughs> come out of nowhere yeah. um, it's when so he he's being subtle and it's not something that latter day Chris <laughs> Does as often as he used to. He, he usually is really playing up Rimmer for you know better or worse. Mm. But it it's um, it brings to mind like his portrayal in The Promised Land actually, which is like some of his best stuff that he's done in years. I think with Rimmer. Nothing does does this tie into MCOR this virus thing, or does this go nowhere? Mm, no, I don't think it does. I, yeah, I think it's just a means to. To get the, create the... A, create an abandoned ship situation, and then have it fixed. Mm. It's interesting because this is, I mean, this is literally just there to create the the setup for what is the main meat of the episode, and yet, yeah, it's um, it's it basically takes up half the episode. Like the, he's he's really having like he's really stretching his legs with the setup, um, mm. which feels a lot like you know what Red Dwarf used to do of just like kind of almost getting a bit carried away with. A side theme and it taking up most of the episode, and then you've you've only got the second half for that the main thrust of it. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten that it was sort of paced like this. Yeah, I'm surprised that we're, we're well, we're nearly ten minutes in. Yeah, and we're still on this bit. It still feels very deliberate. It's like yeah, it's like oh, there's loads of good stuff to be had with this. Like that's you know, keep things tight. Like uh, and at no point does it ever feel rushed as well. Um, as we'll see later on, like the, the episode zips along nicely and. Just feels quite deliberate, um, pace-wise, which is unusual. Right. Mm. This <laughs> this is the only bit of the episode that really gets on my tits. <laughs> the is possibly they... the weakest character arc. <laughs> oh. And Rimmer... it's, it's like you know when you write down shit sitcom ideas, and it's like you end up like like you used to have ideas about like. Um, Father Ted, when if it was going to go past the third series, it was going to be like, oh, we're going to see Mrs. Doyle's bedroom, or you know, <laughs> Jack need like Jack. Oh, I suppose Jack needs glasses. That happened, 
But that did happen. Yeah, fucking Boris again. But <laughs> the um, but it's a bit of a week. Um, well, men behaving badly did the thing where Tony got glasses in one episode and tried to hide them from everyone else because he didn't want to admit he had glasses. Yeah, it's kind of. But that's because in the nineties, been done. Having glasses on was a was something that people would often be ridiculed for. Now I don't wear glasses, but I'm going to go out on a limb. And correct me if I'm wrong, Danny. That people haven't been <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, Specky. For <laughs> people have not been bullied or like not been mocked for wearing glasses in quite a while at this point. Like it's, well, it's people just... wear glasses without fucking lenses in. What's that? Pe- fucking people say? wear glasses. Yeah, yeah, people deliberately like people like glasses are a very Fashion- fashionable it's thing. Seen um, as fashionable now. Yeah. Uh, so this feels like like something that make like an idea wrote down in the nineties and just hasn't really been updated. And like Rimus jumps on it so fast. I, I the only reason why the, obviously the reason why it exists is so that Rimmer's got something on the cat and yeah. that's literally all it is. Like literally see all the, the reason it exists turning. for. But it's the fact that Cat was like actually have some, gonna have some character development and then it yeah. just <laughs> and then it dies. And, and it's really frust- <laughs> I think that's what frustrates me about it really, is like there's actually some really good Character development thing as a result of it, and yet it's thrown away. It's yeah. Just, um, yeah, they almost rescue it at the end when he when he just comes out and says, "I've been wearing glasses," and Lister's like, "Well, so what?" Um, yeah. But yeah, 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 as you will see, it kind of gets undercut. In the idea of the machines actually being on strike is quite a cool idea, though. It's very red dwarf. These are all really good characters as well. Like. It's a bit like, of yeah. this. Red Dwarf and vending machines could be good, could be shit. Th- these are good. It, is it Daniel Barker again? At least I think Daniel Barker's is the majority. There, are, there is a yeah. couple of other yeah. people playing voices, but Daniel Barker's and Barker's. And that, that lift is a returning character from <laughs> Give and Take. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's the same voice. He's uh, Bradley Walsh. You never saw me all life. <laughs> Do you remember? We've got scutters on Red Dwarf. <laughs> the fact that scutters have, have gone on strike, that's kind of funny. Because that, that, sound, that sounds yeah. completely on, on, on spec. Oh, yeah. I imagine the Any scutters strike most scutters. Like, you know, very yeah. often. Just <laughs> no one else joins them. It's it's something you can imagine in the novels that the, the, the scutters could go on strike as a result of their misuse. <laughs> or in uh, the magazine strip mutinous pursuits. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> so this so this this idea has already been sort of has already been explored. Has been explored then. Uh, this yeah, the scutters go on strike in. I think it's actually the first non um, television adaptation magazine comic, like the first original magazine comic. Right. Is cool. uh, a little short. It's quite a short one. It's only. Four, four or six pages, I think, of the scutters going on strike, and uh, Rimmer having—I think Rimmer having to persuade them to come back. So yeah, similar themes. Rimmer, the union buster. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many times have we seen the scutters um, over this, this series and eleven? Am I right in thinking this is the first time they've shown up? This might be the first time they've shown up. There was definitely a scene when you see them indicating, and I can't remember why. <laughs> um, you see them. We see them going forward, and then you see them indicating, and they turn right, and they're little blinky on the thing. I can't remember which episode. Oh it's yeah, in. I think they're they're definitely in eleven. Yeah, definitely okay, 11. they, they pop up. So, so these are these the series eight props then refurbed? Am I right in thinking, or do we not really Probably, know? Probably, I don't know. 
They could be, yeah. Because they look like they're the Series 8 style and colour and... Yeah. So th- this has tones of um, Meltdown. <laughs> and mm. sort of, you know, the sort of, you need a leader, the man with a plan, that kind of stuff. It feels like yes, yeah. and then and then there's that whole thing of Crichton wanting to jump in and be a representative. Yeah, it's meltdown. Except this time, there's a someone to stop Rimmer. Yeah. It's a really good. It's a good concept because it's exactly the sort of shit that they would have to deal with. Like, it's a bit silly on the surface. It's and it's approached in a fairly silly. silly way. But, like, <laughs> if you had sentient machines everywhere and there was only, like, a handful of you and they outnumbered you and could yeah. shut down the ship... Massively exactly, outnumbered you. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly the sort of thing you have to deal with. It's something, something we might have to deal with in, like, a matter of decades. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's cool. It's got a solid base, and that allows you then to be stupid with it because it's not, it's not much of a stretch to accept the situation. No, it's 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 also very obvious how it's going to work out as well. Like it's, it's and, and that's <laughs> yeah. not that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing because it's it's kind of watching them play out as you would expect it to, which is that Rimmel would you know plan to cheat, and therefore you know you know politics corrupt and all this bullshit where you know you would abandon your morals in order to just win or yeah. to to get the best result. You have to make some sacrifices and some compromises and compromise after compromise. You end up being far and away of what you wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. What this kind of explores quite in a quite a quick, quick succession. Yeah, <laughs> right and rapid. <laughs> but the way they do it is so bizarre. Like the the use of CCTV footage, mm. um, and sort of it's old episodes of Red Dwarf, and there's something really weird about that. There's something really weird about seeing old episodes being used as evidence. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's like ah. What's well, we'll going get on? we'll get to it shortly, but like it, it reminds me of a very specific thing that Doctor Who did at one point. <laughs> See, they didn't make any. They had such an opportunity to make a good acronym for this, and they just went Le Flap. Le <laughs> <laughs> Flap. Lovely, fluffy, liberal alliance. But... Well, I mean, Doug and acronyms has not had a, a good track record of this series, so maybe we've been spared. It's not even that. It's the fact that this is the perfect opportunity to have a ridiculous name for your mm-hmm. campaign and yet not used. It's can't win. Uh, many th- I love the aesthetics of everything here, like the the music cues that are kind of vaguely West Wingy. Uh, which is always yeah, good. Of course. The posters and everything. And of course, Crichton <laughs> dressed awkwardly in a suit. I was going to ask, like, does your uh, automatic lolling at him having face furniture on extend <laughs> yeah. to him having a suit on? Yeah, okay. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> face furniture. Yeah. yeah I'm a big a fan. <laughs> we've discussed it in something that's not been released yet. Oh, yeah. But we've. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Crichton's fake eyebrows in Out of Time in that I only have to see a still and it automatically makes me do a belly laugh. And yeah, but Crichton, Crichton, uh, what I'd really like is a sort of Mr. Potato Head style Crichton toy where I can put different <laughs> things on his face and put him in different clothes. That's what I want. I'll make a website. <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
So yeah. Just, the, the stuff that they're touching on, like immigration and abortions yeah. and, and all these really kind of quite sensitive subjects <laughs> are dealt with in, in a way that really doesn't feel that like it, it's it kind, kind of dealt of, with quite well, if, if you know what I mean. They sort of um skirt around the issue they don't make a commitment on no. either side no. to the analogy so they can't possibly neither do fucking politicians so it's, it's perfect yeah <laughs> this is so good though right <laughs> so any, any doctor who fan that went, uh, who watched the 11th hour go out will know the thrill um of seeing there's a load of um archive footage being used as part of the story and i believe the 11th hour is the first no, it wasn't the first time. I think maybe the two Doctors was the first time the old Doctor Who footage was spliced in. Um, and it's always a thrill. It's always exciting, and mm. this is no different. <laughs> this fucking thing. <laughs> Rumi's face is very good. It does raise some interesting questions, though. Hold on. <laughs> pink golf buggy. Just have to acknowledge the pink golf buggy. I think that's Danny's actual did, we, golf buggy. What, what show have they We saw that, on? yeah. We saw that in photos like behind the scenes at Pinewood like during the filming of 11 and 12 that was used as an actual golf buggy to cart people around yeah. uh, for anyone who doesn't know t- uh, TV and film studios basically run on golf buggies there's like there's thousands of them everywhere <laughs> but that was a one that they actually used it's how they it's how they move the studios about isn't it they put them on like thousands of them and then move all the golf buggies <laughs> thousands <laughs> they shift the studios about you don't like the cast, you move the studios. It's like using the lighting rig, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, you yeah. know what you've got. Yeah. Look at this. Liberal <laughs> obviously had lots of skeletons. I love the uh, killed himself <laughs> twice. Yeah. Interesting use of the... Time slides uh, reference. Yeah. But that has its own problems in the times, the him killing himself in time slides is supposed to overwrite what happened in the end. So in universe, he only killed himself once because the timelines changed. That's true, but they all remember what they used to be like. Oh god! But they oh, should. Like playing yeah. with yeah, it's like Lister knowing he's playing pool with planets when that shouldn't have happened yeah, either. Yeah, they shouldn't much. remember. But in Red Dwarf's weird liberal approach to the multiverse, yeah, it, maybe they all remember shit. It's fine. Yeah, multiverse one hundred one. I mean, I wouldn't trust anyone who managed to kill themselves twice. To be honest, with you. that would <laughs> genuinely be a, a worry for me. I mean, so when was this written? This was written in 2015, wasn't it? 2014, 15. Yeah. Okay, so it's not a direct <laughs> response to anything, any any of those bad elections. Um, but, yeah, it feels remarkably prescient. In, yeah. <laughs> it was. I remember it, yeah, because this was well before. Fucking depressing. And this went out, like, second half of 2016, so... Uh, no, this was 2017. Okay. So well. we'd already we'd had Trump as well as Brexit. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, it was recorded before any of that. Of course, because it was recorded like literal years before it was broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and that's what we were. All, I remember being really worried in the run-up of like, God, we don't want <laughs> politics in like. We just yeah. politics time has wave. gone wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, do we really want to see them tackling politics? Yeah, now what sort after of everything that's yeah. just happened? But thankfully, yeah, it's uh, it it it, ta- it satirizes generic uh, versions of politicians. Yeah, 
uh, rather than anything too specific or tied into the real world. It's just politics in general and how yeah. and how sort of non-committal it is. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Now, a f- okay. A flyby from a you. scutter that isn't shit. <laughs> the thing is, I can't tell if that scutter was comped in or not. Because there, almost... there is a light thing on it, but I wonder whether it was added in post that scutter. I'd I don't have to know. check that. I almost rewound just then. I'll yeah, take my hand that. away from the mask. <laughs> we'll check in a minute. We'll check in we'll when check we're in done. We'll check in a minute. Yeah. Oh, look who it is. Did any of you guys see this? I didn't. I didn't. I think oh, maybe right. Jez did. So maybe Jez Maybe. Was you. Oh, okay. Maybe I heard it from someone else then. But I remember someone saying that Talkie Toast was back. And I, I was, you know, I was quite excited. But it's a shame it's not the same prop. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I can't tell. Well, no. I, well, oh, Looking I don't at know. It. I've always assumed it's been, it had two slots in the top, but maybe it doesn't. And the light, the light system on the front isn't the same, so. Right, that's right. I mean, to be fair, like that that sort of thing would have you know rotted away somewhere, wouldn't it? Here's another thing. I do, I do very much like the white hole shot, the POV of the toaster being used again. Yeah, brilliant. That gave me a very good sense of oh, that felt nice and familiar. (laughs) Now I can't quite, I can't quite decide whether the decision to use an old clip for him waking up. Hmm. I might be wrong, actually, but it sounds to me that that they they used an archive clip for yeah. I'm talking toasted as as a kind of like you know mm-hmm. to immediately get your recognition because his performance, bless him, is slightly different. Like his voice is thirty years old. His voice is yeah, yeah. his yeah. voice is different. Um, and, yeah, uh, the performance is still great. He's still really funny, but like that immediate burst of nostalgic recognition, I think, was needed. But it, I it think does jar if you'd like... have heard it, if you'd have heard him, it would have felt fine if he'd have done it. Anyway, like it would have felt fine, but because it was because it was using David Ross's archive stuff first, and then you still hear him saying new stuff, you immediately know it is David Ross. Whereas if if he'd done it again, yeah, maybe you wouldn't have realised it was him. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. There's a, there's a slight sort of disconnect where because his voice is slightly different. But I will say though that he has nailed the character again. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Performance-wise and yeah. timing and everything, the the pitch is is perfect. Also, I love that all of the bread references have been updated to be modern. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> taken into account <laughs> latest trends in yeah, baked all the, like the bread explosion, <laughs> pan out chocolate, <laughs> soda bread. Oh, there's all sorts. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think Crane's president now. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the consequences of that are. <laughs> um, That's going to be the subject of the um, 60th anniversary special. <laughs> this is playing with a uh, PlayStation controller. It is. Is. is it PlayStation 2? They two all look the three. same. Well, not quite. There are some differences. That's game yeah. it. From four onwards, there's some <laughs> slight differences. Yeah. I think it's a three. Oh, cat. Will it blend? <laughs> you don't breathe this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now you're going to... You're going to... 
impede your gaming performance. <laughs> it's not just about reading, it's about living. <laughs> like seeing things <laughs> is is important. You say that, but I uh, had a friend when I was a teenager called Trevor who was uh, blind, but he always fucking beat me on FIFA. <laughs> Despite, <laughs> like he could see, uh, he could see colours and sort of vague shapes, but somehow he was better than me. Just at FIFA, adapted and to it. Was it was really annoying. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Red Dwarf. Matthew Clark's name was spelt wrong. With an e no. the end. It's not like the Red Dwarf credits to be filled with typos. Yeah. Just ask Rupert Rebecca Blackstone. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to wrap when you. I think I'm just running off the high of not having to watch Time Wave, but just. <laughs> but Macrocracy genuinely is a much better episode, and it's it's genuinely funny in places. Yeah, it, it, it's it's, it's one of those episodes that Red Dwarf does every now and then, where it's not. There's no huge plot driving it it's just like it's a slice of life type thing obviously something happens within it uh, that they have this election and they do they become politicians for a while but it's a similar vein to dear dave where it's just like this could be any day aboard red dwarf where this type of thing might happen and the difference is whether it's good or not and this one is good it's yeah. an enjoyable meander. Yeah, it's half hour of just enjoying being in these characters' company. I mean, this is a genuine farce. I mean, this you know, in terms of like a you know, when the, you talk about Red Dwarf being a farce, then that, that's what this is. Yeah, and it ends with Rimmer being locked in the garbage hold as a punishment for being a shit politician. So. Yeah, that's a bit weird as well. It's like <laughs> I just locked him in there. Why? why? Oh, for the final gag. Again, it's reminiscent of Meltdown in that it ends with, like, someone needs to teach Rimmer a lesson. It's Meltdown, yeah. and it's also Stasis Leak as well. A little yeah. bit with uh, Rimmer losing his mind at the last minute. Like, you know, that's the, it just <laughs> ends on him screaming, you know. So it's... Yeah. I want to talk briefly about the CCTV footage. It's It has so many interesting connotations, because, <laughs> like, they use the direct footage from the episodes, and so the CCTV cameras on Red Dwarf are placed in exactly the same places as Ed Bai's cameras and Doug Naylor's cameras. <laughs> right <laughs> up in Didi people's Emily's. faces. <laughs> yeah. They reframe, they uh, zoom, <laughs> they move. Is everything we see being put together by one of the characters on Red Dwarf? Is Red Dwarf an original mockumentary? Are we seeing the story told from Holly or Crichton's perspective. See this okay. whole time. Are you, are you are you trying to break the fourth wall with with how Red Dwarf is presented to us? Like, is it yeah. historical documents sent to us from? <laughs> it is through some wormhole. It's the black box. The black box has been sent back. <laughs> that just c- contains these seventy-eight episodes, seventy-three episodes. Oh, that's, uh, episodes. that's pessimistic. Seventy-four episodes. It contains all two hundred and seventy-nine episodes. <laughs> Uh, I forgot how many episodes there were briefly as well. I always do. It it used to be 52 for ages, and then it changed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's 74 now. It was 61 at one point. Yeah. I mean, it was one at one point, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah, I'm extolling the theory that Everything we see has been put together by either Holly for the bits where Holly was around or Crichton later on. And so, therefore... How can we be sure that what we're seeing is an objective viewpoint of mm. the events mm. that took place on Red Dwarf? So the evidence that it could be just cobbled together from CCTV footage is given by the fact that... It, what episode is it when... Uh, I can't remember which one it is. Thanks, thanks for the memory. memory. No, not thanks for the memory. Although that is one of them. Um, yeah. 
he has his memory wiped, and, that's the, and it basically ends up with like a rehash of, of series one. Mcore. Yeah, and the episode basically ends with the CCTV footage being how they recreate or how they load stuff. So it seems <laughs> yeah. that everything is being recorded. Oh my yeah. god! Well, it can't be Holly doing it because Holly's offline. Yeah, maybe it's the JMC onboard computer. Aha, the mysterious onboard computer. Yeah, yes. it only makes their presence felt once in thirty odd years. Yeah, but secretly behind the scenes has been putting everything together. <laughs> but mind you, like the first two series start with Holly introducing uh, the premise and introducing what yeah. we're about to see. So. Mm. Maybe it is Holly. Interesting. Is it? Or it was just nice to get some archive footage in there. And it was, yeah. It, <laughs> it's actually weird, actually, because these next three episodes all kind of do that with. Yeah, I forgot how nostalgic looking. Yeah. yeah. It's the fan service trilogy. Yeah. In many ways. This Very has so. footage. This has footage from old episodes. Are plus, we? obviously, Talky Toaster. Uh, yeah. A fan favorite character coming back after twenty yeah. something years, yeah. and then yeah, it's only going to get more fan service yeah, from here. We've got, yeah, we've got. And carrying on to the Promised Land as well. Yeah. There's a lot in the Promised Land. I mean, the whole premise of the Promised Land is answering an unanswered question from Series One: yeah, What happens to cat people? Um, you can imagine Doug writing the series, being like, "You know what? I'll write this so." Then a three nice last ever episodes, just in case. Like you know, <laughs> we've said it before, the future armor technique of like writing the last ever episode a million times because you're not quite sure whether you're gonna get any more. <clears throat> and mm. I think the Promised Land was written like that as well. It's like you know everything's gonna be. And when when you're when you're wanting to wrap things up or like make sure that it's a good wrap up, you know you will start looking back, and it's done really nicely. Well, you mentioned um, Doctor Who and how they slowly but surely brought in old mm. footage like introducing acknowledging the old doctors and all the the classic stuff and that happened as it became more established yeah um in and of itself as its own thing it felt more confident and able to acknowledge its past it wasn't trying striving to be brand new anymore and it's a similar story with red dwarf that like obviously ignore it putting back to earth to one side which was a completely metafictional adventure anyway yeah. But as the main series progressed, um, it started off resisting the urge to look too much at the past. Uh, but by this stage, it's confident enough, you know, af- yeah. halfway through the third new series um, to still be telling original stories, obviously, but not being afraid to dip into the past as well and to make the most of the legacy of the old series. And this is just the start of that. Is there anything else on McCockrosy? One thing that does strike me as strange about this episode is how, like, the cat is going along with Rimmer, even though he doesn't like he's going along yeah. with Rimmer because of the blackmail situation. But but he's sticking with it, like he's enjoying it as well. Yeah, like it's he's enjoying being convenient. on the opposite end of the system because he's saying about the the smear campaign and stuff, and you think the cat would be conflicted about that, but he's not at all. He just goes along with it. It's not a natural fit. It's like uh, we had this exact same problem with the last human. Is that Rimmer and Cat team up there as well? Yeah. Mm. 
and it didn't quite fit it's just a weird pairing and it's like it's natural for Lister and Crichton to be a pair but then it's always awkward like that's why the the spectacles stuff is so weird is that it's it's had to be kind of shoved in there to pay lip service to the the reason why the cat would even think about doing anything with Rimmer and then after that yeah. point it just still sits a bit unnaturally i think once he, once he's in and once he's either made his mind up or had his mind made up for him to pair up with Rimmer, I think he just then runs with it and just like nothing oh, else to a do. smear campaign going, <laughs> might as well. Like he's, he's not adverse to smearing people in any <laughs> sense, and so it's just like you know whoever shows up, he'll smear indiscriminately. I'll smear anything. <laughs> um, I does have... not cook, does not clean, will smear anything. <laughs> I've skipped back to 22 minutes and 51 seconds. And I think the scutter in question is just lit directly from above in a way that makes it pop out a tiny bit towards the end of it. I think it's live. I think, yeah. I think it is. I think it's just it's running, it's spinning along like a <clears> fair old lick. It's a really nice yeah. dynamic. Do you know what? This episode actually is kind of like made me think that there is more than, like, you used to think there's just two scutters on board. But this episode seems like it's like that it's much more populated with machines than you realise. Well, you can justify the the effort of like having scutters kicking about in the background of scenes because they're they're front and centre in the story. Like yeah, you couldn't have that in every episode because it would be a ginormous pain in the arse, a continuity nightmare, um, <laughs> and a distraction. And a distraction, yeah. yeah. So who's scutter? Also, having this kind of dynamic, you know, scutters whizzing around and a walk and talk scene again is like. The West Wing influences, right there. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe something you can look into a bit more. But yeah, there is definitely a flavour of the West Wing in here. It's in the music and it's in the direction, in the sort of the aesthetic of the posters and everything. It's there's definitely West Wing in there. See, it's interesting because I've not seen the West Wing, so like for me to still sort of get a sense of. Like I think, I think maybe the theme tune is. I, I didn't realize that's what it was doing, but now I know it's bloody obvious. Now, now I've heard it. Well, funnily mm-hmm. enough, the West Wing and Red Dwarf have a similar motif in the music, um, with the West Wing and Series Eight. So you know that Series Eight's um, like that kind of the trailer music. Yes, it's just like the West Wing's drums. Right. Okay. In the main yeah. theme. Um, so there's definitely a, a bit of uh, a bit of snuffing. And they were around the same time. Uh, yeah, ninety nine was when yeah, West Wing series West one Wing was. Started. Yeah. So parallel development. Yeah. So this episode feels a lot more like American politics than it does British politics. It's mm. got an American feel to it. I think in terms of like like I said the music and the presentation of it, but the arguments and the uh the debates and stuff feel very british yeah and the the the, the rosettes and the, the rosettes names of and the, the campaigning and the, yeah. and the, and the yeah, way they're going, kind of going about like, the doorstep to doorstep type thing with yeah. machines it's best of both really doug yeah. just took the piss out of whichever bits yeah. he wanted to take the piss out of yeah. rather than doing one thoroughly I think we've, right. we've well and truly fucked that episode in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> of course. In Doncaster. <laughs> Fuck Doncaster. Well, if we've, uh, if we've said all we need to say about M, then it's time for some WM. <laughs> <laughs> the, the section where we take T's and Q's about anything RD-related 
from our <laughs> wonderful L slash R's <laughs> in a section we like to call Ah, so you're a woman. A woman. And we start this week with a question from KC, uh, sorry, Chris Carter, who asks Starbuck, does it look better flying with the legs up or legs down? And I like to imagine that was asked in the style of an optician. Is it better with or without? I would say that it's legs down, because legs down is early series, and that is good. (laughs) And legs up is series seven, and that is bad. Ed by everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do, in the Dave era... They show both, don't they? And in fact, I think we see them move really? at least once. Yeah, there's some shots in the Dave era where the legs are up when it's where the legs are. Hang on, which one's which? Legs up is angled backwards, forty-five degrees, yeah, yeah. like a bird, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah there are some shots in in Dave era where it's legs up and somewhere it's legs down. Mm, yeah. But yeah, you're right. The first time we ever see it, legs up is series seven era. Yeah, sort of, uh, of CG. Yeah, and because there were so many other changes to the visual effects at that point that were all really, really bad in my brain, I can't disassociate it with. I think of Legs Up as being a Series Seven thing. Then, yeah, I my instinct is to say I don't like it. But when I think about it a bit more objectively, I don't really mind. It does come down to your kind of muscle memory of model shots versus the CG thing. But I think practically, it makes more sense for the legs to go up as it's flying. For mm. aerodynamic purposes, until you get out of the atmosphere. But legs down would be for like preparing to land and things like that. So it would be, if you think of it from a practical point of view, like landing with the legs constantly down is a liability <laughs> because you're going to crash into rocks and you're going to smash it. We've seen how many times the legs come off the Starbuck. I mean, you know, anyone who's had the model of a, a Starbuck knows how flimsy the legs are. On yeah, place the Starbuck place it. Exactly. <laughs> Useless you know. piece of shit. Yeah. So it, you know, it's 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 weird actually because the model unit did intend that for the legs never to move, mm. and yet they come off so they break off so easily. So it, it seems <laughs> weird. I wonder whether they just got stuck with it and thought, well, this we're gonna have to just keep this, or whether they ever thought about the legs being redesigned, making them poseable, or like yeah. what would, would probably have been a pain in the ass. Maybe that was maybe that was the plan. Maybe it was posable and they never could do it. And then Series Seven tried to rectify that. Oh, hot swappable! They could have they could have made them like little like like Lego, <laughs> and just like yeah. oh, we're doing a flying shot. Let's hot swap legs-o. the legs. <laughs> legs-o. Legs-o. <laughs> Legs-o. <laughs> <laughs> you look at the sort of the the amount of hydraulics and stuff required to keep that damn thing up in the air, like to keep it <laughs> off the floor and not collapsing under its own weight, is insane. <laughs> spindly little legs. Little spindly little tiny legs. I remember, because tr- if you try to 3D print the damn thing, it's like you have to have so much support material holding it while it's printing. I, I think it looks really nice in stilts when it's down, but I think action yeah. shots, I think it works better when it's when they're up. That's my opinion, anyway. It's just that those classic... Shots mm-hmm. that you always think of from series three to five, the landing bay shots mm. where Starbuck just gently rises up with the steam underneath and the beautiful yeah. sound effects. It's distinctive, and like it doesn't, isn't it? It doesn't get better than that. And yeah. so therefore, the best shots of Starbug are the shots where the legs are down yes. permanently. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, Agreed. Yeah. But the most sort of dynamic sort of action-based shots where it looks the most... Where it looks the most impressive to me in terms of, a, you know, as a, an actual, you know, in-universe thing... Is when the legs mm. are up, it does actually look better 
in motion like that but in terms of a classic shot of red dwarf from a, a fan point of view rather than in the universe point of view then yeah legs down yeah mm. legs down hands down <laughs> legs down ass up isn't life a scream <laughs> <laughs> right Next question is from NC05, and that's not me taking the piss out of Doug again. That's just their name on Twitter. Did Hilly become Norman Lovett after Parallel Universe, like how our Holly became Hattie Hayridge, or were they both Hattie Hayridge? I still struggle with the fact that we never ever considered this as an option. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get how we've never thought about that. We've never thought about how the fact that the other way around would be. I, f- I feel like I've thought about it in passing and come to the conclusion that yes, they did change. Hundred percent. It'll be. It's, it's a. It's a gender swap, right? So you literally do. It's the exact opposite's happened. Yeah. Yeah. The way that, that, that is episode is written. Yeah. 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 The characters are supposed to be identical to ours, except for that one thing, and so yeah. they've got the same psychology. They've got the same personality. So Hilly would have come to the same conclusion as Holly. I like the idea that they didn't know that they did it. They both did it the opposite way around. So that you know, yeah. like when when Hilly when Holly fell in love with Hilly. And took on her appearance. She did exactly the same with him. So they both exist at the same time. They both still exist in each other's universes. It's just that they'll, yeah. never, they'll be apart, but they'll never be together. <laughs> well, if they ever meet up again, <laughs> oh god, I can't wait to see Hilly. Oh, what's happened to you? <laughs> You've got the face of an old man. Have <laughs> 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 a face like a pair of tits. I was going to say they're both now. Like, but presumably, when they re- they they had to reboot Hilly in the parallel universe. And so that'll be back to being Hattie again. So, like, yeah, <laughs> they haven't both become Norman. <laughs> so, yeah, Hilly must have changed to Norman and then changed back to Hattie in the same way that Holly changed to Hattie and then back to Norman. Yeah. There is a, as is often the case, there is a Smegazine comic uh, that is set in the female universe from Parallel like Universe. And is. in Ace, <laughs> Ace Rimmer goes to that universe on one of his dimension jumps and. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, they do make uh, Hilly look like Norman for that because it's set after series two. That's so, cool. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, I feel like by now, as a Red Dwarf fan, I should have at least read this magazines at least once. <laughs> but I seem to be completely unaware of this all other universe of stuff <laughs> that's... It's our version of The Simpsons did it. The Smeg- yeah. At some point, the Smegazines have probably done it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Any question that was left unanswered in in series one to five is covered in The Smegazine yeah, in one for way For better or, or worse, presumably. <laughs> yeah, I should probably get around to reading them at some point, but I can't think of any opportunities to do that. No. Well, we're busy reading the novels, and yeah. that's going to last forever. Yeah. There won't be any more podcasts after that. Definitely won't. Hmm. Thank God. <laughs> There's another unexplained initialism. <laughs> the, uh, LMD, again, that's just their Twitter name, asks, is Lister still married to his howled bride from Polymorph 2, or did they get divorced upon New Plan Legged? And to be fair to LMD, they then sent a subsequent tweet saying, whoops, I meant to say Galf Bride. <laughs> the way that we read this initially felt a bit Adam Buxton. <laughs> so, so in my head it went like this Is Lister still married to his hellbride from Polymorph 2 Or did they get divorced upon New Plan Legate <laughs> <laughs> It's a very easy number to remember eh? <laughs> Yeah that really Adam did. Buxton morphed into Popper halfway through <laughs> Nine maverick bars So I mean Depends on kids who are we 
wedding customs, I suppose. I mean, they did they consummate the marriage? Is that what exactly? That yeah, what, no. Is that what makes it happen? I mean, well, it seems that their customs are based on Earth customs, right? Well, it, in Last Human, as we've recently discovered, it was consummated, uh, <laughs> not not with consent from all parties, but it was consummated. Uh, I oh, think gotcha. that it probably counts as a, a not a legal consummation. I think if if you went, I think the consummation thing is probably not even much part of divorce law anymore anyway well it's not div- you can have the marriage annulled if it's not yes. consummated right okay um in current earth uk law i think listed not necessarily kinatawawi law no but i the impression that i got from robberus was that they still were considered married yeah, yeah. and that in the kinatawawi's customs like Lister had no choice but to remain married and had to come back. But that's because that suits them. Like, I, I think there's reasonable doubt either way. Um, yeah, you know, you could have a couple of couple of lawyers get get rich off that one because they'd both have good points to make. Lister versus <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Take it to the high court. Did she take his surname when she got married? <laughs> Lister, Chris Waddle. It is a good point because what happened to them in series seven? They didn't kill them, did they? No, they just bugger off. They infiltrate non-space in order to apprehend them, right. and they blast the hole in the tunnel. And Kachansky tries to jump across. But after Lister saves Kachansky and they go back to their Starbuck, it's not concluded. <laughs> there's no, there's no resolution. <laughs> so it's a good question. I think they've probably given up trying to look for Lister at this point. For the sake of comedy, yes, he is still married to her. Yeah, there's a chance that the 70th anniversary special is going to be concerning. Or maybe one of um, the things that flies out of Rob Grant's buttski is going to be <laughs> search for her lost love. They, what what happened to the Kinatawari is they got caught up in the multiverse explosion that happened when, when Rimmer shot the time drive and they actually um, got deleted completely from all universes so they're no longer an issue. But then oh, that apart was from before. one, apart from the apart one from... universe that Doug used, <laughs> wouldn't that be weird if Rob Grant addresses the hehehek problem? <laughs> like we have two versions it, of the same. It's now suddenly a problem. <laughs> <laughs> People have written whole books about the hehehek problem and you know <laughs> possible solutions. <laughs> so if Lister and Met up with Kachansky again or another person and tried to get married, would he be committing bigamy? And is that even is that even illegal in space? Is that even <laughs> I mean is anything in... illegal in space? Yeah. In space, no one can legislate you. Exactly. You just make up your own rules. So I think in a roundabout way the answer to your question, L M D is no, he is not still married to his hel- his girl pride. Um unless Comedy dictates. Unless that, yeah. comedy dictates that he is, yeah, because there are no, yeah, there are no laws. Yeah, you're in the jurisdiction of something, but then when you've escaped it, you know, they're they're, they're technically he's technically an exile. He can't be touched. Sexile. <laughs> Sexile. I think we spent more time on it than it deserved. Yeah. No, no, actually, it's a. I think it's quite a good question at its heart. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about like, whether they'll ever like go back to band of Kinatawari because they could. They could it's a bigger yeah. question about consequence in Red Dwarf universes like when you say like you know yeah. you, you talk about like how the stuff they do has lasting consequences and all this kind of thing. And obviously as well, technically speaking, <laughs> is probably dead at this point because so oh, much man. time has passed since. Have they had a big stasis 
Yeah, they've had like yeah. they've had like two hundred years. Uh, two hundred years in Nike. And then you've got yeah. Uh, then you've got yeah. the the yeah. All that stuff's happened Bits since. So crisis. There's a quite a good chance that 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 she's no longer living. Mind you, we don't know what the lifespan of the Kinatawawi is. That's true. They could live for thousands of years. Goodbye, Kinatawawi's queen. Though I never <laughs> knew you at all. On that note, and literally on that note, <laughs> on that missung note, <laughs> bastard. David six six three nine three five eight two. Go on, hang on. <laughs> no, you've the sixty six million three hundred ninety three thousand five hundred eighty second of the Davids asks. Are Lister's leather trousers a little unbecoming for a man his age? Maybe he should go back to the boiler suit look. I disagree. I think leather trousers should be compulsory <laughs> for, <laughs> for men of, of any age. Does he wear leather trousers these days? I don't really pay much attention to his legs. So. Yeah, he kind of does. They're like biker trousers, aren't they? They've still got that aesthetic. What is the, boi- the boiler suit? I mean, he had boiler suit trousers in six, right? Seven, yeah, six and yeah, seven is more so boiler suit. Yeah, it's like khaki sort of combat yeah. cargo trousers. Which is a lot more yeah, he must have le- He must have left his leather trousers on Red Dwarf and he only had the boiler suit on Starbuck. But he's since mm. re- rediscovered his leather trousers. Some but then again, in the in series three, he wears black jeans. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then, yeah, the so the leather, the leather trousers is actually a more modern phenom. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, go went double leather. <laughs> What they should do is reinvent Lister with double denim. Like, really, <laughs> really get into the 80s, you know? So, yeah, he kind of got into the leather trousers as he got older. So maybe it's his kind of midlife crisis thing he's going to... Yeah, like going for the old roadie look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like, the biker when he's only ever ridden a space bike <laughs> that's based on a Sinclair C5. <laughs> <laughs> as a side question to this, are we actually due a bit of a visual refresh for Lister? Like, may- maybe now the time has come that we don't need him to be in his Series 3 replica jacket anymore. Like, do something fresh. I think at this stage they're kind. I think of them as cartoon characters, where <laughs> other than the cat who always changes his outfit anyway, but has a definite look and style which doesn't change very much. Yeah, I think they're sort of frozen in time, and I think that any deviation now would be weird. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's what three series in a row where they've basically looked the same, plus Back to Earth. Yeah. Other than like Rimmer changed at the start of series ten and then stayed that way. Did he or is he the same? He didn't look change as... that much. Um, he's kept his same blue. Yeah, it, this yeah this basically this blue tunic. He's worn that for longer than he's worn anything else. I before. think the one in series ten onwards has got a red effect to it that the one in Back to Earth didn't have. But yeah. I might be talking out of my ass there. Yeah, I'm not as sensitive as other people when it comes to costume stuff, and, the, and that's why for me, like, if they broadly look the same. Then it looks right, yeah. and if they look and if they look I mean, massively different, it looks wrong. Isn't it literally his series three jacket, or has that since been redone? I think it might be the same one. Yeah, which is I cool. If remember. it is, then okay. That I think it, there's a possibility it was the same one for Back to Earth, and it isn't anymore, and it's been redone. Unless it's a bit triggers broom, where <laughs> it's like. It's the same jacket, but the body's been replaced, the sleeves have been replaced, and all the badges have been replaced <laughs> over the years. All the cells in Craig Charles's body have been replaced. Essentially, a true. different person. I mean, several times at this stage. Yeah. The wider question here is: Are leather trousers unbecoming of a man his age? So his age being, oh my god, almost odd. sixty. Jesus. Yeah. I don't think anything's unbecoming. I think you know, wear what's comfy as long as you're not doing anything obscene. 
<laughs> yeah. As long as the leather trousers aren't open crotched or anything, then you're probably yeah. fine going out in public. As long as they're not, yeah, they're better than see-through trousers. Yeah, exactly. Like Iggy Pop wore that yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. I mean, everything's unbecoming when it's related to Iggy Pop. <laughs> yeah, and on the serious note, yeah, it, anyone at any age can wear what they like. Yeah, and shouldn't be judged for it. Exactly. Okay, one more, and this is from. Richie Hackett, who has no initials or numbers in his Twitter name. He's got lots and lots of weird symbols in his Twitter name. Oh, that's true, actually. (laughs) He asks, Netflix announced a limited-run series of Red Dwarf based solely on Infinity Welcome's Careful Drivers. Brand new cast. Who's playing who? Now, I used to be really against the idea of any Red Dwarf existing that wasn't our cast. But the idea of not even a spin-off, but like a a one-off idea exploring i just want to see infinity realized that's all i want yeah. and, and if it can't be done with the original cast then let's do it with let's do it with other people genuinely i, mean, yeah, I cannot you think of who we'd get like I can't you wouldn't get away of... with craig charles uh playing someone who just just had their 24th birthday party on earth but you could have cameos so yeah. you could have all of them be cameos in this version and it yeah, was yeah. not again it's not a replacement okay so i think are we are we saying philip levy would be rimmer Hand, hand down. <laughs> oh, good point. Good. Yeah. So I think if he if he if he was available, then Philip Levy for Rimmer for sure. Uh, Lister, <sighs> I've got one for Lister. Oh, go on. Age Lister up. Give him a bit more of the original spaced out, um, you know, premise for his character. And genuinely get Craig Bierko. <laughs> <laughs> Just get Craig Bierko to play it a little bit differently. I would love to see him actually have a chance to do something. And Craig, really yeah, Craig Bierko is very good. Yeah, he is, he, he is amazing. He was just he was just handed a turd to fucking work with. So he's, you yeah, know, he's like, still good in it. Like you know, he's like he's charismatic and funny. Yeah, and I think he'd be great. Now here's the thing: because Craig introduced the Liverpudlian edge to it, because it wasn't written like that. Mm. Does that mean that anyone who plays Lister in the past has to be Scouts? Mm. I know that Red Dwarf has grown organically based on the cast they had, right? Yeah, the way that Rimmer's written and the way that he takes the piss out of people is based on the fact that Chris can do voices, so that's written into the script as something they can do. But that's not part of that wasn't part of Rimmer's character originally. Yeah, that was just organically added in as a result of using the strengths of the person they had. Mm. So now we've got this this character down as being from Liverpool. Is he you know, actually Liverpoolian? Yeah, I think we try to resist the temptation to make our casting choices based on. The previous cast, I think we should be thinking about the characters in almost their embryonic states, like the moment yeah. before they were cast, as much before, as we possibly can. Yeah, before the influence of the cast. Well, that's why I kind of like the kind of the burnt out mid forties. If Craig Bierker can do a sc- can do a Scouse accent, crack on. Even if he can't, <laughs> just do it anyway. Like <laughs> fuck it, it's a one off. Like you know, Netflix. I think, makes again, I, I, I just sometimes. have Craig Bierker as a character in it. Yeah, I just yeah, have him yeah, and Chris Eichmann in it. I just have all the people who have ever been involved in. Dwarf. <laughs> no, I don't care about Chris Eichmann. Like Craig Bierko so is like a so solid far. Guy. This brand new cast is only people that have previously played the characters <laughs> in some way. Are, are we only going American? Like, are we only going Hollywood here? No, 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 no. <laughs> Fairly big budget, but not not yeah, movie me- medium budget. budget. We're talking here if it's Netflix, right? Philip Laby just from you know, it's it's really difficult because, like, how do you do Crichton? Well, exactly. How the mm. fuck did you do Crichton? Which way did you do that? 
doing a bit more stylized, maybe. Like, um, you could do a more realistic depiction of a mechanoid these days. Uh, if you're doing it from scratch, so you could you could have him essentially be just like a voice performance. Or like the the amount of CG you could do to enhance his appearance would be like huge. Like you know, you maybe go for that and have just someone someone's frame, someone big. Like you can make him huge, like a bit more like a mechanoid you would expect to be, like big, huge. You can do more physical stuff, but at the cost of comedy. Well, maybe, but this is a Netflix special, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I mean, Netflix can't even make Arrested Development funny. <laughs> for Crichton, I would have Stephen Kinman, who plays Robert the Robot in Justin's house. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sake. I nearly with... looked him up on IMDb thinking, I almost <laughs> did. what does he look like then? With his brilliant catchphrase, hello everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem. With me in this question is I don't know that many young up and coming comedy stars. I'm not to a casting it it's hard to see. I only watch old programs and CBBS at the moment. <laughs> Basically, what you're asking for is who would be Red Dwarf Next Generation. That's essentially what yeah. this question is kind of alluding to. Mm, yeah, I mean you could go all over the place. I mean, like look at Into the Gloop. Um, it just so happened that the best actors were like 75% female, and so their script was written around that, but it didn't need to be written around that. It could have literally just been the same characters but with those actors. Mm. So, you know, you could you could gender flip, race flip, absolutely any of these characters, and this is the problem, is that you kind of need an encyclopedic knowledge of working actors at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, If I'm thinking Netflix, I'm thinking, like, who's in the stable of Netflix actors? Like, all I can really think of is... Oh, you could have um, you could have David Cavill Cross as Crichton. Crichton. <laughs> we just went for basically the exact opposite people for Crichton. I, I didn't hear either. Who did you say? Danny said David Cross, and I said Henry Cavill. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of someone huge for Crichton, like make him stylized, and Henry Cavill's really good. That's previous Superman. Yeah, Superman and yeah. Um, um, Geralt and the Witcher at the moment. He was uh, so he's a Netflix. He's easy. And David crosses Tobias, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's also. Um... I'm more on board with Tobias. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> being, so... being Crichton. Yeah, it's a comedy. It's okay. a comedy show. Stu. David um... Cross. <laughs> David Cross is Crichton. Philip Labey's. Which is so close to David Ross as well. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, so we've got to cast the new series based on actors that are only one letter away from actors who have previously played the character. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Chris Barney. Has everyone <laughs> yeah. seen Chris Barney? Yeah. Chris Barry. Oh, Chris Barry could be... Um, who's the name of the actor that... Um, Rumour. ...played uh, Dr. Cox. But doc- Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Dr. Cox. Yeah. Could be Chris Barry. <laughs> I mean, he's not playing Chris Barry. Oh, right. Do you know what? Yes, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Like, yeah. Just a little bit more... A little bit harder. Harder edge. Okay, so we're going American then. Well, I mean, who knows? I'm Seen just thinking of actors I like at this point. Cat. Anya Taylor-Joy, who is a Netflix person in a lot of Netflix things and is a woman and is American. Uh, basically, I think one of the things that Red Dwarf USA got right, at least the second time around, is with any cast, at least some of these characters should be women, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. call me a woke warrior, if you will. Why do you have to view everything through the filter of cultural Marxism? I, mean? <laughs> I think women should be treated as if they're equal. <laughs> and so Holly should be a woman. Because the the only reason I'm not like either Lister and Rimmer are both women or they're both men, I think it's yeah, trickier to to, yeah. to have with the dynamics between them. It's trickier for them to be different yeah. genders. Unless you could somehow get that balance right. So Holly should be Holly needs to be someone with 
chaotic energy. I'm going to say Lou Sanders for Holly. I can see how she would work like that because she's quite okay. scatty. Jessica Nappit as Holly. Yes. Okay. It's pronounced yeah. Jessica Rabbit, actually. <laughs> Jessica <laughs> Rabbit is Holly. So you'd have a cartoon version of a fictitious person <laughs> voiced by Kathleen Turner to play Holly. Yes, is that, is that a problem? No, that's fine. <laughs> okay, good. Absolute fucking nightmare for the animators, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, uh, this isn't very, this isn't digging into my imagination much, but could, is there a place for Rebecca Blackstone as as Holly? <laughs> or like another another character? Like, you know, she could be a cat maybe. Just because I like her, like get, get her in, like give her, a, you know, give her yeah. an acting gig. Cast it based on people that we've met that are nice who are actors. <laughs> Personally like, yeah. <laughs> Let's get Mac be Rimmer. Because <laughs> he, he originally went for it, so why don't we give him it? Is Maccabee Rimmer like Johnny Be Good? Yeah. <laughs> you know that new space car directive you're looking for? We'll listen to this. <laughs> God, do you know what? Casting's really hard, isn't it? It's impossible <laughs> to, to. I didn't even realize that this was a thing that you do where you have chemistry tests where you have the two actors and you test them together to see how they work together because in and of themselves they might be great but when you put them together they just might not work yeah it could be crap yeah like in the way that maybe uh, Fred Molina didn't work or that you know there was something yeah. about the you like know Harry something about the chemistry didn't oh right yeah because maybe Madley was but that would but that was that was sort of greenlit that was saying you know that was that was gone through the process and gone well that worked we'll do it and then it, <laughs> then it changed in the next series but yeah. Before it gets to the screen, you have those 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 tests. Yeah. Um, yeah. The key thing there, though, is that Harry Enfield was famous, and they wanted a famous person in it. Yeah. Mm. Other than someone who was right for it, it was well buried. Like the Harry Enfield being in Men Behaving Badly is exactly the same way I think of Norman Lovett is in Red Dwarf. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd had no idea that that had yeah. happened in the past. I don't know. Bill Bailey as Holly would really work for me. I Bill Bailey as Holly is yeah. John that's Oliver. been said for years. John Oliver as Holly. John Oliver would absolutely be Holly. perfect. It would totally <laughs> break in the American audience for sure. Exactly. But Bill yeah. Bailey is just a perfect fit. I would. I want Bill Bailey. I, do you know what? I just want Bill Bailey on Red Dwarf as an AR as a, as a computer <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that Holly talks to. I just want that. Yeah, he plays I want chess that with, happening. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Bailey won Strictly Come Dancing. You can now consider him a professional dancer, so he should play cat. <laughs> that <would> yeah, <laughs> the cat. He stood and, in... and be written exactly the same, exactly the same speech patterns, exactly the same dialogue, but be a fifty-year-old hairy white man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thing is, I can hear it. I can hear him doing the wow. I can hear him doing all that shit. <laughs> yeah, he's very musical. He's very yeah. yeah he's I've got heard rhythm. that stuff. When he starts doing his Belgian jazz, that's exactly what I'm hearing. <laughs> so what we're basically saying is that Netflix do their own spin-off of Red Dwarf, and we should. Uh, what we're saying is we should just whitewash the cast. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> we have no. I think. Well, I think what we've proved is that we should not be involved in any yeah. such decisions. Pretty comprehensively proved. There are people that are good at this type of thing. I'm not one of those people. No, I, I don't have. A, I don't have a wide enough rate, especially of like modern people and stars in in, in shows. There's there's characters that I I kind of enjoy, but the actors themselves, I can't piece them. I, I promise, I'm not just basing this on who's been on Taskmaster, but I've just thought of the idea of Mike Wozniak as Rimmer. That's not based on him in Taskmaster, that's based on his performance in Man Down. I don't hate that idea. I think I think that's I, I I didn't really know about Mike Wozniak until I saw until I saw Taskmaster. But yeah, I can see that him sort of like having that stiff upper lip 
his character in Man Down is very much that, yeah, um, yeah. slightly judgmental, slightly put upon, cynical, and incredibly mm. funny as well. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's very really funny, kind of got that level of man, that kind of level of manicness about him as well, which you kind of need for Rumi. You need someone who's a little bit unhinged, a little yeah, bit exactly. strange. Yeah. Like he's a little bit like just on the edge of like losing it at any moment. Speaking of other people being better at this fan casting malarkey, does anyone remember Seb's Hitchhikers TV series, series two? Fan yeah, cast that that's exactly what I was thinking about yeah. when I said other people are better than show one for the show notes. He, um, it was pretty good as well. Like put together like who he'd want to be in a second TV series of Hitchhikers. You didn't have to recast it, but it, like you know to try and cast similar people to the original. Uh, similar ages so we've got arthur was um what's his name from coupling jack davenport yeah jack davenport and the others were other similar actors <laughs> uh, and you'll be able to read this in the show notes Gus khan lister yes fucking yes yeah yeah oh yeah that's that perfect bit of an everyman all right we're getting into the flow of this now this could be a whole episode this could be a whole dwarf cast <laughs> yeah yeah maybe it's worth doing someone write to netflix because <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> dear Netflix have you read this book it's really good can you just make this without asking anyone about it and then <laughs> I am CCing Rob Grant's buttski <laughs> <laughs> as I write this <laughs> we've, basically, we've come up with a British one and an American one pretty much haven't we yeah <laughs> yeah um, we'll have to collate what we came up with because I, I already can't remember it's, it's weird because Crichton is just <laughs> the hardest one to get that's what. That's why I'm thinking left field with him. Like really, like reimagine his look, his kind of demeanor, because it's a bit of a blank canvas, really, as a character. Um, Dominic Coleman. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> Do you dabble in fan casting? <laughs> Just have him basically doing exactly what he did <laughs> in yeah. Crisis, <laughs> but a bit less smug and a bit more vulnerable, and that's great. And at least we didn't say Mitchell and Webb, because that's everyone's solution to any casting <laughs> of a yeah. double act is Mitchell and Webb. Yeah, that's true. You lose your keys as Mitchell and Webb. I kind of feel half like we didn't do that question justice with our lack of knowledge, but I think we've still come up with some some good names. Yeah, there's, there, there was a couple of crackers in there. Gus Khan's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, I'm pleased with that one. Generally, he should just should just be more stuff because he's really good. Mm. Man Like Mabeen, I recommend, which is his sitcom. But anyway, watch that while you wait for uh, Netflix to commission uh, a new original Red Dwarf thing. <laughs> Do you know what? Which I'm It'll sure happen. will happen I at some time. I think one day it will happen, yeah. If not then, big finish. Same same difference. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a discussion for another time, because that's about all we can fit into this particular edition of... Ah, so you're a WM. Woom. We'll be snuffling up more waffles on our next commentary in a couple of Dwarfcast times, so if you've got any more to add, then uh, leave a comment over at www.ganymede.tv, or you can tweet us. Twitter handle is Ganymede-Hyton, okay. so this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. We'll be back with our next Dwarfcast, which will be Book Club, the last bit of Last Human. Yes. Uh, so if you've... <laughs> That's not the attitude. <laughs> so if you still need to catch up on your reading and you want to leave us a comment, uh, do so now. But until then, stay home, stay safe, stay balls where horses live. <laughs> always remember that. And as always... <laughs>
<laughs> what? I think <laughs> I think we got it. Ed bye everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Uh, he asks Netflix announce a limited run series of Red Dwarf based slowly <laughs> <laughs> I like it <laughs> start from the beginning because he said Netflix <laughs> Netflix Netflix <laughs>